it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talks. He means Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. Some newsy things have happened over the last 24 hours since you've last heard our voices. Nathan, we got a talk, chance to talk with Marvin Harrison, and I just, I just. You can tell us what Marvin Harrison said, but also it's just because Ryan Day got asked about it again on his lightning round show on Thursday before we're recording this. It feels like we're getting two different vibes on Marvin Harrison Jr. There's the, hey, Ryan, what's more? How's Marvin Harrison started? It's good to go. Good to go. While Marvin Harrison Jr. is a little bit like, hello, hold on now. Hold on now. I'm going to play, but it's it's not all roses and whatnot have you is does it feel like it's dueling vibes here between how these two guys are talking about an injury to their best football player maybe a little bit but it's also dueling um priorities a little bit as well dueling um familiarity with media savvy and media uh, manipulation i guess for lack of a better term (laughs) as much as martin harrison jr grew up around it um i think he's just being honest with this trying to say here's what happened here's how i feel um, and with Ryan Day, you know, coaches have a, a different perspective on this sometimes. Um, uh, there was a coach I covered and he, who used to make the distinction like, well, are you hurt or are you injured? Because a lot of guys are hurt, mm-hmm. but you play hurt. You don't play injured. Like injured means you can't go out there. We don't have any indication that Marvin Harrison Jr. is is hurt, injured to the point where he's not going to play against Maryland. Do I think it's something that could limit him in the short term possibly uh, as he said he played through all of last season with an ankle injury for most of last season with an ankle injury and he was still a unanimous all-american and someone people thought was maybe the Blitnikoff award deserving guy and and people were putting him on Heisman trophy ballots at the end of last year so and people who know football so you know it, it, it it's definitely something that I'm keeping an eye on because just we've seen this before not just Jackson Smith and Jigba, where an injury just kind of lingers and it nags. And the only difference between last season is we saw this one happen in an obvious way. And uh, we've had a chance to ask him about it in real time. That didn't happen last year. It was more of a revelation, not until recently, that he was hurt as bad as he was. But again, the difference between hurt 
and injured. A lot of guys are playing hurt. A lot of guys have to figure out a way to perform while hurt. And until it becomes a true injury, until we start seeing him on the, the status report, or we stop seeing him uh, doing that extra time in the Woody, then it's it's not something to be overly concerned about. Andrew, I think that's part of this. Is uh, We were in the Woody really late last night. I think we were the last members of the beat to leave, at least the indoor field, because we were doing stuff. And you're watching Marvin Harrison. They're not doing anything strenuous. They're just catching the ball. But then when they're setting up, he's doing all the heavy lifting. And I'm even joking that, hey, Reese, help him. He's got ice on his ankle. Maybe you should do the heavy lifting and he should just walk around like Marvin Harrison Jr. And so is that we've seen him in real time still doing stuff, still walking around as if, yes, he's got the ice on his ankle, but he's still doing his normal routine. Is that if I'm a fan and I hear it's worse than last year, which is what Marvin Harrison said on Wednesday night when we were talking to them. But when you hear from us and you hear from other people that, hey, he's still doing his normal routine, does that maybe, should that put a fan's mind at ease that maybe this isn't as much of a red alert the same way it was with Jackson Smith the Jigba last year? I think you're on yellow alert, if that makes sense. Uh, you're not on red alert, but whatever the... I don't know. I, I don't. It depends on how you want to tier it, whether it's like orange or yellow alert. I don't know. But whatever the next level down, that's what you should be at. You know, th- this isn't it's not I don't think it's a thing until we see it's a thing, but it's not not a thing. If that makes any kind of sense to anybody listening to this, like this is one of those things where I'm curious to see how he looks early. You know, how does you know, we, we mentioned this when we were kind of getting ready, you know, hey, you know, does the adrenaline get pumping? You start to warm it up a little bit, gets taped up a little bit. You don't really notice a difference. Or is this something where, okay, he's not what he is normally. You know, he's not what he is at 100% health. So, you know, I, I think that fans and and I think us too, I think that we should look at it as, you know, it, it just, wait, just wait and see. Um, I know that's not a great answer for people who are, you know, nervous about it. You know, whenever you're nervous about something like this, you want an answer now. You want an answer quickly. But it should give you comfort, like you said, that he's, you know, he's practicing. He was made, Nathan made this point. He was made available to the media. That's a big deal. You know, he, he spoke to a couple different reporters and he does his after practice, uh, you know, catching session and, you know, he's doing the things that he normally does, but it also should scare you a little bit that he's still got ice on it everywhere he goes and he's still wrapped it. And it's still, you know, look, we all saw the injury. We all saw the replay. It was not, it was not nothing like that was, that looked to be pretty significant. So, you know, I I would just go into this and think, you know, the first five to 10 minutes of Saturday's game, or I guess how whenever Ohio State's offense takes the field are going to be big. And if he looks like he's not going to have, uh, if he looks like he's not going to have any, you know, lasting impacts or anything like that, or if it's not going to majorly hamper him, that's fine. Maybe stay a little bit on edge in case this starts to deteriorate over a course of a game um, or over, you know, maybe over the course of a couple of weeks. But for now, I, I would remain, you know, very much cautiously optimistic um, you could also remain cautiously pe- pessimistic. I, I think that you could really kind of go any way you want with this, but I think any way you look at it, feeling great is bad. It is not the correct way to do this, but also thinking, oh no, this is another Jackson Smith and Jigba. We're in trouble. I think that that's also the wrong way to look at it too. A couple of real quick points on, on just what we saw though. Uh, he was, he did have the ankle iced, but not until he mm-hmm. came out 
again after interviews. So that told me two things. Mm-hmm. Number one, he practiced. Yep. He was using it. He was using the ankle. Like you don't, you know, like a, a pitcher doesn't yeah. ice his shoulder every day, only after he yeah. went in and pitched. And I, that analogy may be a different sport, but you know what I'm saying? Like he definitely used the ankle and he didn't already have ice on the first time we talked to him, which means he practiced in full. Like he was out there for the entire mm-hmm. practice before he came and talked to us right off the practice field and then went back and he, he did actually go in and I think get treatment and then come back yep. out, talk to us. He had some, did something because he came out and had some sort of thing go on his foot, went back in, got the ice, came back out. So just, just to make sure people are getting the full picture of, of what we saw. Um, you know, I, my suspicion is something they'll manage in the short term. You try to put up a lot of points early against Maryland and Purdue and maybe get him a little bit of an early breather in both of those weeks, get him off of his feet if you can. And then, you know, hopefully for Ohio State's sake, more healthy for Penn State. The pre-tape he had on, I think he just might've had a tape during practice. That's what that looked yeah. like. And he probably right. like went over to the side, cut the tape off and then came back over to us. But sign up for the text, 614-350-3315. Cause I bet you can tell what we're going to be texting about all pregame is, Hey, we just saw Marvin Harrison Jr. And he's warming up. Hey, Marvin Harrison Jr. Is walking around. Hey, Marvin Harrison Jr. Is stretching. Hey, Marvin Harrison Jr. Is headed out on the field. Hey, Marvin Harrison Jr. Just caught a ball. I mean, we're going to be texting other stuff too, but that's probably that's priority number one on Saturday is what is Marvin Harrison doing literally all pregame, literally anytime he's not on the field. So 614-350-3315. One other thing I thought was interesting that came out of Ryan Day's both radio show and then Nathan, you asked about it. First fun fact, <laughs> Kyle McCord and Devin Brown have the exact same number of carries and the exact same number of yards. They both have nine carries for 10 yards. So it's just hilarious to me that I just happened to peep that while I was looking at what I was really looking at. Mayan Williams has 19 carries for 73 yards and two touchdowns this year, plus two catches for 39 yards. Only one of those came against Maryland. I mean, excuse me, against Notre Dame in a situation where we've seen it all year in those short yardage, especially goal line situations. They've been using him. They didn't use him, especially on the most important one of the night where they gave it to Chip Trainum. Nathan, what is going on? Day's been asked about it a couple times now, but the way he talked on Thursday made it seem like whatever's been going on might come to an end on Saturday. Two things are probably going on here that are combining. One of one of which is demonstrable, and one of which we're trying to parse Day's language a little bit, fair or not. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to that in a second. The thing that's demonstrable is Trevor Henderson is running like a lead back again. He wasn't doing that last year, which is what opened the yep. door for Mayan Williams to have the big year he did. And neither one of them were completely healthy, but Trevion had enough injury issues that Mayan had a big workload and he leads his team in rushing. And he ran well. He was the number third among Big Ten players, I think, in yards per carry. Third in rushing touchdowns had, had a solid year. There's that, and then there's the emergence of Chip Trainum. Like Both of those things have happened. Chip Trainum's, again, demonstrably running the ball well. And they like having him on the field because of the various things he can do. It, him on the field makes that whatever package have a little bit more disguised, I think, than if you're putting Mike Williams out there. So that is happening. Now, the second thing is Ryan Day specifically said of Mike Williams, he's had a really good week of practice. And it just it just stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Fair or not, like that stuck out to me. So the thing that I followed up and asked him was, is that why he hasn't been playing more? And Ryan Day is not a throw you under the bus kind of guy in at least like a direct way. And also, I don't think he does it like passive aggressively. But so he said, no, I was just answering a question about the running backs. Um, He's been running hard. We look forward to seeing him, something like that. It just stuck. It just struck me that 
And we know that Mayan Williams also in preseason camp, as we texted whenever we saw him, was dealing with something that uh, some kind of lower leg thing, maybe an ankle thing. We saw him have to go in and get extra tape kind of on a regular basis in the in the little bit that we saw in, in preseason. So I think something was going on there, but he hasn't showed up on any status reports. It hasn't been a thing. And we go back to that hurt versus injured comparison that has not been like lingering for him in a in a significant way it doesn't seem like and ryan was asked specifically was that the deal at notre dame where he only had one carry and he said no he's he's fully healthy and he's fully ready to go this week so i i don't know if there was something there where a combination of the injury and and anything else was or not the injury the combination of being hurt and anything else was contributing to him not having as big of a workload i think the bottom line is ryan day said he expects, I think, to use him more, that there could be a bigger role for him on Saturday. Uh, the other conversation, I guess, that has to take place here is, I don't know if Ohio State's missed him necessarily, so that'll be, I guess, up to him to to take advantage of that opportunity and show maybe what they have been missing, because it, it, it also stands out to you that early in that game, they had whatever, third and one, fourth and one, whatever, where they put him in, and he didn't get the yard. Like, it was and not just him, the whole running apparatus didn't get the yard, and God knows people have been talking enough about that here for the last couple of weeks. So it's not all on him, but him as the running back in there didn't get the yard. When they had the game on the line, second and goal, they were going to run the ball for one yard. It was chip training to got that carry. I mean, that, that again, demonstrable, like it, it, it's happening. So um, we'll see if, if there's a role here for Mayan Williams to like eclipse that and again be maybe the true backup running back. But right now, I don't know if there's a lot of call to like push Chip Trainum aside because Chip Trainum's running the ball well. It's almost like what does more mean, right? Because if Ohio State comes out and does with Maryland what they've done the last couple of times, they played Maryland at home. Of course, mine's going to get more because they're just not going to use Travion Henderson and give him the ball 20 carries in a game where you're up by 30 points. It's not going to do that. So is it? When the game is close, is it in the first half when you still need him? I honestly just think I'm with you. I just think Trayvon Henderson's running well and Chip Trainum gives you more. And to your point with Day, he doesn't throw anybody under the doghouse. It's not passive aggressive, but if he's just running down a list of players, he gives you more than if you just ask directly almost sometimes because that's he wasn't really asked directly about Mayan Williams about it, and so it just led to him saying that. So then when you came back and asked him directly about it, he gives you the more coach-speak yeah. answer about it, which yeah. I, that's almost his way of doing because he was like that with Seven Banks too. If you asked about Seven Banks, it was coach-speak, but if you just started running down names for him, he would almost say, tell you exactly what's going on in that situation. Yeah, it wasn't me trying to trap him. It was just no. me trying to get a clarification, and I'm not trying to trying to put any. Uh, there's probably a slang term that the kids use here. I'm not trying to put any whatever out there about Mayan Williams. Um, it, this is just a question that we get asked, and, and people are right to ask. You get the leading rusher from last year, ran the ball really well. He's not really playing at all in your biggest game you've played so far. Why is that? And uh, I don't know that we got like an answer for that. We got kind of a whisper in the direction of an answer we'll, we'll see if anything changes against maryland that's the new stuff we're gonna take a break there when we come back we'll get into maryland talk because that's who they play on saturday they play maryland at noon on fox with gus johnson and joe clad town big new in town too so we'll get into that when we come back here on buckeye talk getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at blue nile can help your love sparkle just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. 
At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Game five, week six, Ohio State, Maryland. Nathan, I have no idea how to talk about this game because it's like part of me wants to use history to give you a gauge of how this might play out. Part of me wants to give Maryland respect because they're undefeated and they probably should have been ranked this week. Over, especially since LSU was ranked, and they've kind of looked bad the last couple of weeks here. But at the same time, part of me is like, Kyle McCourt's comfortable being the starting quarterback, so what does that mean for this offense and its explosive ability? When you're trying to parcel how you're going about, and we're going to have game picks later on in this pick, when you're trying to come to a conclusion of how you think this game might play out, what's the most important factor in a game like this? I was trying to think, if, if I were still voting in the AP poll, would I have ranked Maryland this week? And it's hard a question to answer just in a vacuum because you'd have to go down mm-hmm. literally a whole list of like 45 teams that I had to look at every Sunday morning, which is why I'm not doing it again this year. Um, but I I don't know that I would have ranked them because they've played nobody. I mean, it's it's nice to be 5-0, and but 5-0 and against uh, a bunch of crap doesn't necessarily mean you're better than a 3-2 and team that like LSU that has only lost to like ranked teams. You know what I mean? So that it's, you know, their, their schedule so far, like they beat up on Virginia. Virginia is terrible. They beat, they want at Michigan state, right? As Michigan state is just in the middle of just a mess. I mean, they have a 27 point win and scored more points against Indiana than Ohio state did, but they also gave up 17 points to Indiana. And uh, I think some of that was 14 of those in the fourth quarter, whatever. Ohio State only gave up three and Indiana's offense is so bad. They just fired their offensive coordinator. To me, it's it's this is a week that Maryland has a lot more to prove. I mean, Ohio State just has to win and really however you win, whatever. And even if they give you a little bit of scare, you'd be like, yeah, that's that's Maryland. They just do that to you sometimes. They've done it to Ohio State the last couple of years or last two of the last four times they played. Um, But. It's it's more of a week where Maryland has to show me that they really belong to be spoken of at this at a, at a higher tier. Like, are you just like middle of the pack Big Ten, and you're the middle of the pack Big Ten team that because of a very like a vapor thin non conference schedule will be the one that gets to eight or nine wins as opposed to the one that only gets six or seven, or are you like can you hang? And my suspicion is they probably can't hang for a full game. Um, and I'm I'm especially curious, like defensively, like if if we all kind of suspect Marvin Harrison Jr.'s uh, bum ankle aside, that they're probably in a number of areas you could expect some growth from Ohio State, a better performance offensively after the off week, resettling, reviewing, 
all those things, all those rewords, and now taking that into a, a week of game playing, actually two weeks of game planning for Maryland. Like, how are you better? Are they set up to attack this team? As much as they talk about respecting this defense, they're, they're really set up to come at this with a full attack and in a way that you seldom are during a season, getting two weeks to prepare for it. So can Maryland really limit that? Like, Ohio State's offense already, but now probably a better version of it with two weeks to prepare. I'm, I'm highly suspicious that they can't. Andrew, there's a level of Maryland who's going to have to just prove their numbers because, as Nathan said, they haven't played anybody. Yards per play, the middle of the road, Big Ten, 4.81 yards per play for defense. Brushing defense, 3.51, which is solid, but also you haven't played anybody who can really run the ball on you. Passing yards per play, they're fifth in the Big Ten, 6.1. But it's like, also, you haven't played a passing attack that's even competent at this point. So it's almost a... Kudos to Maryland for getting the 5-0, and but numbers don't lie, but they don't always tell the whole story, and it feels like this week we're going to get a real story of how good Maryland is or isn't. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm certainly not going to disrespect the Towson Tigers, the Charlotte 49ers, the Virginia Cavaliers, <laughs> the Michigan State Spartans, or the Indiana Hoosiers. That's yeah, crazy. If, if, if Maryland are trying to win an FCS uh, championship this year, oh, yeah, I would give them sure. full, full respect for that. I do think it's time we start to talk about maybe nine win Maryland. Like Maryland might be good, but they there is tears to this, right? You know, there's levels to this. And when you talk about Maryland, I think Maryland can be good and also not hang around on Saturday. You know, I, like I, I think that you can kind of point to this and say, you know what? Maryland is a really solid bowl team with a really good season. And good for the Terps. Good for them. You know, congratulations, guys. You did it. It's the it's the elf quote, you know, world's best cup of coffee. Congratulations. You did it, everybody. Just do that. But for Maryland, yeah. All right. You know, they're the world's best nine and three team, whatever. However, I don't know. I don't care. They had to go nine and three. But that's a good season, especially for Maryland. Uh, and especially when you consider, you know, some of the schedule that they're going to have to play. Um, so I, I think that. We're going to know how good Maryland is, but I should say this. We're going to know how good Maryland is, but if Maryland goes out there on Saturday and loses, throwing a number out, 55 to 10, like if if they get boat raced, you know, if if this game turns ugly quick, I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, well, Maryland's just, you know, they're, they're bad again, you know. No, I just think Ohio State just might be that much better. You know, Maryland can still be a really solid to above average team that, you know, is a really is a strong bold. I mean, they're five and oh, they win one more game. And again, they play Illinois and Northwestern and Nebraska and Rutgers like they're going to make a bowl game and they're 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 a bowl lock. They're not just going to sneak in either. It's not going to be one of those things where it goes down to last week. I think Maryland's a solid team. I, I look at them and I think. You know, Ryan Day mentioned this, that they've gotten better under Loxley every year. You just kind of look at the talent that, that they've had. They have steadily gotten better uh, every single year. So that that's important to me. So I just look at this as, you know, we can find out what Maryland's ceiling might be, but I'm not going to look at this game and say Maryland is is bad or Maryland, you know, just because they lost by 45 points. I don't think that, that that's any you know, indictment of where Maryland is headed or kind of what Maryland is going to be this year. They have gotten better by the year. His first year, 2019, they go three and nine. 
and then COVID year two and three, which is quality for Maryland. Then seven and six, it was the first time in 2021. That was the first time they were above 500 since 2014. So that's been that long since they've been over 500. And then eight and five last year where they tested Ohio State with that 43 to 30 loss. But that was more like a six point game with 30 seconds left into that game. And Zach Harrison made a play there to make it 43 to 30. And then they're five and oh so far this year. I'll ask both of you and Andrew, I'll start with you. Who are we going to learn more about in this game, the offense or the defense for Ohio State? I'm going to say the defense, I think, um, because this is a – I'm not going to say it's a tougher challenge than Notre Dame, but it's a different challenge. You know, what if – I know there are a lot of – there's been a lot of worry and there's been a lot of talk and there's been a lot of, you know, wor- however you want to phrase it, worry, talk – uh, debate, whatever, about the defensive line and kind of getting after the quarterback. I think that this is the week where it really kind of happens. Um, you know, you just look at some of these games. Indiana, there wasn't really a chance. Youngstown State, eh, I, I mean, I get it. Um, but they played Western Kentucky the following week, and I actually thought that they did a really good job impacting the pass in that game. The defensive line they got after they got after their quarterback Reed and they did really well there. And you know, I don't think that they brought him down any I think it was like two sacks that day. But they didn't do anything or they didn't do nothing that day. You know, they they were they were pretty active, I thought. The Notre Dame game, Notre Dame ran the ball really well and and that was kind of priority number one. Um you can just kind of run down the line and and make some excuses. I don't I think at a point those excuses are going to run out. I think at a point I understand you can impact the pass rush and that's great and you can impact the quarterback throwing the ball and that's great, but at some point you have to create negative plays, you know, whether that's turnovers or sacks and I think that this is the week where you you start to see the defensive line get after the quarterback. So I think we're going to learn a little bit about the defensive line. You're talking about a team that is going to push you vertically. And, uh, you know, I made the point when we did our outrageous predictions last night. Um, you know, I, I think that Maryland is going to be very boomer bust. And they're going to, if you take a sack on first and 10, all of a sudden it's second and 17. That's fine because Maryland's going right back to the well and they're going to try to stretch you vertically again. And that's a challenge for, uh, for Ohio state. You know, it's, it's a little bit like a, like a boxing match where you have that boxer that just kind of won't go down, even if you keep giving him punch after punch after punch. So, um, you know, you might be ahead by, by 28 or something like that, but Maryland is still going to try to test you vertically because that's what they do. They're still going to go deep. They're still going to do all those things. So I think we're going to learn more about the defense. I, I understand why you would say the offense, obviously every game, especially in a young quarterback's career, like Kyle McCord, or at least in, in terms of experience young, you know, obviously every game can feel like a referendum. Obviously every game can feel like a big deal because, you know, you're talking about a sample of one of 12 and, and I get that, but I just think that Maryland's offense is going to pose you a different type of challenge than maybe that you've seen in the past. And, um, Maybe it's not the more accurate challenge to what you're going to see against like a Michigan. I think that Notre Dame was probably a more accurate test to what you're going to see against the Michigan type, maybe even Penn State. But I, uh, I'm curious to see how the secondary holds up and, and what the pass rush can do when you have a quarterback that's trying to move around like Talia will. I think this Maryland offense is going to test Ohio State's defensive philosophy in a way that its first four opponents just couldn't do that. Like 
they want to limit explosive plays. Well, Maryland wants to do all explosive plays. So what? But it's it's two sides of a coin going up ahead of each other. So I understand that decision, Andrew. It's offense for me because I just want to see the takeoff. We're in it. We're in that window where C.J. Stroud started taking off in 2021. The first three games of his career, 59%, 64.8%, 60%. Then he takes the break. So that would have been that fourth game, that Akron game. But then he comes back against Rutgers, 73.9%, 72.7%, 75%. That's his next three games. And that's Rutgers, Maryland, that's Indiana. He doesn't have like a three-game stretch here, but he's got two before he's got to play Penn State. He's got the this game, and he's got next week against Purdue. That's two teams where that's Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana level in terms of talent. One of them is actually the same team. And I think I want to see what this offense looks like. Kyle McCord's got four games under his belt. He's got a he's had two weeks to prepare for this. This offensive coaching staff has had two weeks to prepare for this and build start building an offense around Kyle McCord. I want to see what that looks like. I want to see if that starts to take off. And it's not just I don't want to say he was a game manager against Notre Dame until he didn't have to be, but to an extent, sometimes he was up until he had to make plays. I want to see if he starts flashing those moments where he can make plays. And we're looking at the end of stat sheets, and it's like, oh, Kyle McCord completed 73% of his passes. And he's got four or five touchdowns and 380 yards because these receivers are that wide open, and it's starting to click for Kyle McCord, Nathan. Uh, yeah, I, you know, again, I, I'm just suspicious of, of the, the Maryland defense as a whole. And maybe especially as it relates to like being a complete defense, because we, we always keep forgetting sometimes like we, we only talk about Ohio State's running game sometimes in the in the uh, context of what it's not doing in short yardage and, and forgetting that it has those that that 61 yard moment for Trevian Henderson and, and things like that. So I, I, I am kind of agreeing, I think, with Andrew here that I think this could still be a week that tells us a lot about this defense, because I think. Fair or not, we, we we expect the offense to eventually click and be able to put up points and to probably even find a more um, more consistent performance against the better teams on its schedule. I, I, I don't really think that you fear at this point that 17 points is the ceiling against Penn State and Michigan. I think you think that with Comacord growing, with the offensive line, you know, potentially improving, there's, I guess, at least reason for optimism out there that it's it's going to get better. And then I think, fair or not, on the defensive side, there's always the like, okay, but like, what about this next test? Like, because the defense has just been the more inconsistent thing now going back three, four seasons. Like, since 2019, the defense has sort of been the thing that, has more consistently been the reason why Ohio State tripped and didn't quite get all the way to where it could have been, but couldn't 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 quite match enough what the offense did to carry it. So I am curious that with a a different philosophy from Maryland, some different athletes, um, Talia Tagovailoa, and I know that they're familiar with him. They'll have an obvious. You know, they'll have a plan of attack ready for him, but I think Mike Loxley also knows what he's doing. He'll have a plan of attack for Ohio State. So you got to just kind of come out and prove it again week after week. But this is, um, just like I said before, like I just, it feels like a real, this is the week that you want to play Maryland, I think, if you're Ohio State. Like any team, I guess you'd rather play them coming off of the bye, especially when they don't have one. So 
scratch. You know, obviously they'd rather probably be playing Penn State this coming week or or not Michigan. They did still want that to be the last week. But you know what I'm saying? I guess they'd rather be playing Penn State this week. But if it can't be Penn State, of all the teams left on the schedule, maybe Maryland's a team that they would want to be playing this week because it gave them two weeks to prepare for, for this defense, to prepare for a quarterback that it already knows pretty well. And to you know, they, Jim Knowles kept using that term, the um, coordinated rush. And I do wonder if I wrote earlier this week about some of the like uh, the blitz tendencies this season and how much they have backed off from where they were last year. The Western Kentucky game being maybe the one exception. They did blitz more in that game, but you know they, I think they blitzed eleven times against Notre Dame, which there were games last year where like Tommy Eichenberg blitzed fifteen times on his own. So it definitely has pulled back. And I think that they may pull back even a little bit more against Maryland, or you could see them maybe do some of those delayed blitzes that they like to roll with, um, especially off the linebackers. Like you'll see Eichenberg sometimes, um, you know, way to beat and then make his move because I think they are more concerned about containing Tagovailoa and making him sort of succeed on their terms than, you know, necessarily flushing him out, which could be, you know, sometimes playing into a strength of his. This is for both of you guys. I think it's the same question for both units. How many weeks in a row do you need to see this defense do what it's been doing for you to just feel comfortable with it? Because I think you're, you've made a solid point there, Nathan. We've seen, we haven't seen enough good defenses in the Ryan Day era that four games is enough for us to just be like, oh yeah, this is, this is fine. This is fine. Well, also, we've seen enough elite offenses that when one isn't quite elite yet, you're like, okay, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Benefit of the doubt. Benefit of the doubt. How many weeks does Ohio State not score 40 against Power 5 opponents? And I'm not saying they aren't going to do that this week. I'm not saying they are. But how many weeks in a row until you get worried about the offense? Well, vice versa, how many weeks in a row do you need to see this defense doing what it's been doing so far for you to just – no longer be worried about it from a long-term perspective. The Notre Dame game. That was where I looked at it and I was like, I'm not worried about this defense. I think they're going to get better. Um, I, you know, for me, I, I think that there are concerns still, but that it's, it, I mean, this isn't the two thousands Ravens. Like we're not looking at this defense. Like they have no flaws everybody is an all American. Like this team is wonderful and you know, whatever, like, you know, we're not talking about the steel curtain or anything like that with, with defenses. This isn't even like a 2021 Georgia level defense. And, and I understand that. So there's always going to be something, there's always going to be, ah, well, how does this going to hold up or what is going to like, it's, it's unreasonable to say that every week you go into it, looking at your defense or you're looking at any position group really and not having any concern, but I see an improved secondary, and I know they haven't really been tested, and I know that this week is a big week for that. But I see an improved secondary, you know, with, you know, you've got some fun pieces at the back end, specifically Sonny Styles. You've got really experienced linebackers. You've got a talented, uh, you got a talented defensive line. And yeah, Notre Dame ran the ball a little bit on you, but they also didn't really get any shot plays. They didn't really get any explosive plays on you. And that's really important. And I know Notre Dame isn't so much a isn't so much that type of offense you know they are very much more methodical with with how they wanted to and how they try to move the ball down the field but I watched them give up 
14 points to a Notre Dame team that had been killing a bunch of people before that. And I get it. It was Central Michigan and it was NC State and it was Navy. And I, and I understand that. But, you know, you're, you played an offense that has NFL talent on the offensive line, that has NFL talent in the backfield, that has a debatable on where, but an NFL quarterback at some point. Like, you, you've got you know, players on that offense and Ohio state's defense played really well. I thought so for me, I, I, I have no concerns about what this defense is. I think that it, that doesn't mean you can't get beat. That doesn't mean you can't, you know, lose a game down the line because of a defense because you give up 27 points, 24 points. But when, when you talk about concern level for this defense, yeah, there, there should be no concern level is about what this defense can do. Like, unless you're going to play, like the best offense in college football, which I mean, I don't even know who that would be at this point. I I look at I look at this Ohio State defense. I see a lot of talent. I see a defense that knows what it's doing. Um, you know, they're playing a little bit smarter. You know, we talked about the blitz rates and things like that. Yeah, I I'm good with this defense. I, I've seen what I need to see to to know that they're really good and and there's a there's a floor here for them. Mr. Barrett, same question. Defense first. Um, you know, I guess I guess I'm not like concerned about the defense. I think that's I don't know. I, I think Andrew is right because my whole point all along has been, you know, Ryan Day throwing out well, we need a top ten defense. I'm like, well, not really. Um, you don't. You don't need a top ten defense. You don't. If your offense does what it's supposed to do. They might need one this year if this is as good as the offense is gonna be, though. So I think you if you come out of Maryland, you come out of Purdue and you're still kind of uh, palms up looking for where the like consistent explosiveness is for this offense, or you're looking at a run game that still can't really get on track. And it's because of offensive line performance in large part, then that's where I think you, you have to have concerns. Um, I don't know if it's even necessarily as much about points. I think there's more nuanced performance that you can find. We're starting to see the performance come around. The, the quarterback numbers are trending towards being in line with what Ohio State's done here the last few years under Ryan Day. As I've said before, like the, the touchdown numbers just haven't spiked yet for Comic Cord. I think that could change in any given week. Uh, but it's it's just they they don't have the balance that they want to have. And you this is not the year that you want to be one dimensional. Um that's not what you want to put on Comic Cord. We saw what happened in 2021 when the running game was more inconsistent and it cause problems for CJ Stroud at times. So I think they've got to get that going. And if you come out of these next two weeks where you're, you're just not playing like again, Maryland and Purdue don't seem like the teams that are, are threatening to be playoff level. So if, if you come out of these games still wondering where those elements are in this offense, then I think it gives you concern for the teams that you're about to play that are playoff level. I think defensively, I'm going to be sold coming out of this week if they do it again this week. Just because, as I mentioned before, Maryland is challenging Ohio State's defensive identity because of what their offensive identity is going to be. They're just because Ohio State wants to limit explosive plays. Maryland wants to try to get explosive plays. It's not about them being good enough to actually do it. It's just Maryland's approach is the challenger to what Ohio State's defensive approach is. So if I'm if they're if Maryland comes out of this game. And their goal is they want twelve, and they get two. I'm sold. Like, I'm 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 all in on this defense. It's just now I want to see it against good teams. I think 
Go ahead, Andrew. I was going to say, so we had this conversation after the Indiana game where we talked about this after the Indiana game. If we were, if you remember, we were in the press box and I, you said, if they do this against Notre Dame, I'm in. And they didn't do exactly that against Notre Dame. Indiana scored three points, um, even though they wanted to score zero that game. Why? So, like, what? Like, what? What could you have seen? That? Like, why? Why did that change? And what could you have seen in the first four games to where you're at my level, where you're like, I'm good. I, I, I don't need to see much more from this defense, if at all. More havoc. More okay. havoc. More disruption in the backfield. The plays came when they needed them to be made, but I thought for the most of the game, Notre Dame still controlled it and was able to move the ball, especially on the ground. So just that type of stuff. It's it's more nitpicky stuff. I'm 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 eighty percent there, and it's not like I'm you know forty percent. Right. No, I, there. I I'm hear right you. There. So it's just things. Well, some of those things are just things that Notre Dame just didn't do offensively because that's not their philosophy. That I just wasn't going to be able to see that day versus what Maryland's can what their philosophy is. That's going to allow me to see it on Saturday. Well, let me ask you this. Like, what should be a bigger concern? That Ohio State doesn't have sacks from pick pick one of these two things. An mm-hmm. Ohio State defense that is is not allowing explosive plays and is not even allowing teams in the red zone through four games doesn't have sacks from its two five star defensive ends. Is that a bigger mm-hmm. concern? Or is it a bigger concern that Steel Chambers on Wednesday night told us the linebackers did in fact play like crap? And in his more or less in his words, I'm not saying that he more or less said it. And the two teams that are going to potentially block them from making the playoff have four really good running backs. The run. Yeah. The run being able to, yeah. The fact that they were able to punch it up the middle time and time again. That's more of an will, issue for me than the sacks are. That's I why I don't say, really care about Havoc right now. I think it's more about like, cleaning up this other aspect. Sure. But. Is it possible that Notre Dame is the best offensive line Ohio State's going to see the rest of the regular season? I know Probably. Michigan's there, Possibly. so like, so I I do want to throw that out there that like you know Joe Alt is I would say the best lineman that Ohio State's going to going to play all year, and Blake Fisher at right tackle is no slouch, and then you've got three interior guys who are pretty good, um, so. I, I don't I I think it's it's a big concern, but I think you also might have gotten through the toughest toughest game, toughest matchup that you're going to have if you're you know, if you're Ohio State's front seven um, in terms of that run game or I guess front six. Like if, if, if you're talking about the, the run game, I think it's a fair answer to say that it's the biggest concern, but I think it's also fair to counter with. Ohio State has already played the most difficult unit that it's going to play in terms of defending the run. Nathan, are there, and maybe I'm stretching here, last year with the cornerback situation, I think it had been a problem all year, whether they were playing good teams or, you know, average teams. But there was this idea of like, yeah, who's going to challenge? Like, who's actually good enough to exploit it on the regular season? Even Michigan at that point, because they did some stuff in the actual game that I think a lot of us weren't really expecting with how they threw the ball sometimes. But so there was this aspect with the cornerbacks of, yeah, this is their issue, but who is going to expose it? I think the stopping the run might be the issue for the defense. But to Andrew's point, 
I think they've already gotten past a team who can best expose it in a way that it makes it a real problem down the line, just because it was the combination of Audric Estime is a really good running back, but also that offensive line was pretty stout. While these other teams that we might see are more about the talent that they have in the running back room than the offensive line room outside of maybe Olu Fashanu. You may be right, but Notre Dame was also first through the door and everybody else gets to, to, that's true. Um, that's true. To, to trail off them a little bit with how they want to attack this. And listen, like Steel Chambers was, uh, I didn't hear his whole interview, but I, I know that it, as much as they want to be complimentary of Notre Dame's offensive line, he was talking about just fundamental problems for the linebackers. So it may be true that they got exposed a little bit, but um, you get exposed this early and win. You know, I said this after the game. Like winning a game like that early in a season can be such a gift for a team because now you've seen yourself against another strong opponent and you know you get confirmation on those things that have to be better. And I'm I'm curious like how this defense and right and Jim Knowles even said it on Tuesday when we talked to him that he came out of that game with ideas about how they had to tweak how they were defending the run. So I think it could end up being a really really instructive game that we come back to if they end up beating Penn State and Michigan and if this defense in particular is stout against Penn State and Michigan I think they're probably going to cite this game and say the Notre Dame game and say that taught them a lot about where they needed to make some adjustments so let's take a break there I thought that was a good talk I'm going to kick out Nathan I'm going to kick out Andrew I'm going to bring in Tissue. I think there's some interesting bets prop bets this week as well on both sides so i'm interested to see what tissue is going to have to say about that so when we come back nathan and andrew will be gone and i'll be joined by tyler shoemaker here on buckeye talk this episode is brought to you by hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology they have tons of innovative products like venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation and hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back on Buckeye Talk, and I'm joined by Tyler Shoemaker. Nathan and Andrew are gone. They'll be back. But right now, they're gone. They're not needed in this segment right here. Tyler, another big game. Well, not big game. That's that's not. No, that's not true. Let's not put that out there at all. It's not a big. I mean, Big Noon is going to be there. Joe Clatt and Gus Johnson are calling it, but it's not a big game. Another home game, Ohio State back after two weeks off. Some best bets going into this Ohio State-Maryland game that people should be paying attention to. Yeah, well, first – it's a it's a somewhat big game. I'll give you I'll give you that a little bit. So I, I do have Maryland as my number thirty two overall team. So they're not quite you know top twenty five like some fans mm-hmm. are clamoring for. But from a power rating standpoint, they're they're decent. They're number twenty six on offense, number forty one on defense. Uh, Ohio State. Uh, I'm sure people have, have probably checked this out, but Ohio State is number four for me right now. Number fifteen on offense, number two on defense. Uh, Michigan actually jumped them on defense uh, after their performance last week. So. 
Uh, Ohio State, Michigan, my top two defenses in the country right now. Something to keep an eye on. But as far as this game goes, I project Ohio State minus 18 and a half, which is where the line was most of the week. I think it's actually up to around 20 now. Um, and I project 51 and a half on the total, which is uh, significantly under. I've actually already put in a bet uh, on the under 57 for this game. So that's I know that's not very fun. So I, I've got I've got some more fun bets for us. But that's, you know, like where I'm putting my money. I've already bet the under here. Uh, I also, you know, last year we had the first quarter overs this year. I feel like we've kind of struck something here with these team totals. Um, I'm going to go Maryland first half team total under nine and a half. Uh, I, I think, I think the Maryland offense is getting a whole lot of credit. Uh, you know, and like I said, they're, they're decent. I think the Ohio state defense is awesome. Uh, you know, in this, they don't want to call it bend don't break, but that's, the reality is that that's what it's been. Also, you know, for as as good as Talia Tungavaloa is against subpar competition, he's really struggled against, you know, the Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State trio. He is very susceptible to, uh, you know, a, a bad turnover in, in a costly uh, manner. I also looked, their kicker is only five of nine on kicks inside 40 yards, and he's five for, he missed one 50 yarder. So he's five for 10 on the season. So I think even if Maryland does move the ball down the field, I think they're just really going to have a hard time scoring even field goals. So I really like the Maryland. Uh, I like I, I would take the team total under for the game as well. It's 17 and a half, uh, but I kind of expect Ohio State to have their way, you know, late in this game. So I, I don't I don't want to cheap Maryland touchdown late to, to backdoor us on this. So I'm going to go first half team total under nine and a half. Uh, and then I also like uh, Ohio State minus 13 as an alternate first half line uh, that was on DraftKings, the odds on that are plus 125. So for plus money, you can get that Ohio State's going to win the first half by 13. I think I think this is a game where Ohio State maybe scores. And again, this is just me talking, not my motto. I think this is a game where Ohio State's going to score like 35, 38, something like that. And I just I think Maryland's going to score like 10 maybe for the game. So. Uh, I think Ohio State's gonna gonna jump out early here, suffocate Maryland from the jump, and then my third best bet for this game. I think we're due for a Julian Fleming touchdown, and the Julian oh. Fleming anytime touchdown prop is plus one ninety right now. So uh, I like that. I think you know it, he hasn't been super involved. He had a huge play, obviously, on the on the fourth down conversion at Notre Dame, but he hasn't been super involved with Marv's ankle. Like we don't. We don't know what that's going to look like. So I, I think this is a good spot here for Julian Fleming to step up and get uh, what I believe would be his first touchdown of the, of the season. Yeah, it would be his first touchdown. Has the, the Marv injury and the way it's been, we actually were joking about this early on the pod. It's Ryan Day's talking about it one way and Marvin Harrison Jr. is almost talking about it another way. Like one's, yeah, he's all good to go. We'll see him on Saturday. And the other one's like, well, no, like calm down. It's, you know. This yeah. is a bad injury. I know I played on it last year and it was awesome, but still, this was worse. Did that at all factor into your thought process when you're go- you're coming up with how you're going to how you're trying to bet this game, especially when it comes to point totals and it comes with anyone who would want to bet Marvin Harrison Jr. this week? Yeah, but it, it definitely affected both. Uh, you know, in terms of the the point total, like I said, I I don't I don't think this is a game. You know, I know historically at the shoe, Ohio State's hung some pretty big numbers on Maryland. I don't know that that's quite going to be the case. I do think they're going to win this game comfortably, but I think it might, instead of it being, 
56-21. I think it's going to be something more like 35 or 38 to 10, something like that. So I do think they would cover. I'm I'm not personally betting it just because, again, the, the Marv injury uncertainty, um, the potential for, for a backdoor here, uh, and just just the fact that the offense hasn't hung any big numbers yet this year, I, ca- I still kind of need to see it before I'm going to believe that. Um, but but I do believe wholeheartedly in the defense, so I, I do like uh, the Maryland um, team total unders. And we're probably going to keep riding these things until the defense gives me a reason not to. Yeah, it, it's 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 kind of tricky because Maryland's five and zero. They've had a quality year. Their numbers are good. But then you look at their schedule. It's like, oh, that's why they're five and zero, and their numbers are good. So how do you gauge that while also the reason that you thought Ohio State was going to be good this year has not necessarily been that reason yet. And how much is that? I think we talk about this every week. How much is that maybe throwing some of this off? It's that you just said it. You're going to keep riding the defense until it gives you a reason not to. I'm not sure people would have said that before the year while the offense, you're still kind of waiting on something to pop. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I, I do think the offense will will continue to, to get into a rhythm here. You know, we're only in what this will be the third game that uh, Kyle McCord's been, you know, the official full-time starter. So I, I, yeah. I do think the offense, you know, has earned the benefit of the doubt over the years that it will get figured out. As far as for this week, you know, again, I still I, I need to see them put up one of those crazy 50 point numbers before I think before I think that's going to happen. I, I think they're going to be a dominant team this year. I think it just might look a little different than we've been accustomed to over the over the last few years. And you mentioned Maryland's strength of schedule. I just looked per my numbers. Yeah. Their average opponent power rating is minus 10.7, which is like looking at my ratings. I mean, a minus 10 would be like them playing Hawaii every week is basically what they've what they've played. That That's like the equivalent to put that into perspective of, of the average of what they've played this year. So, um, yes, a lot of their raw numbers look good, and I'm sure our listeners that listen to other podcasts and things like that, you're going to hear some numbers on Maryland that may think you may make you think like man there Ohio State might be in for a battle this weekend but I all of my stuff's opponent adjusted obviously I I just don't see it and again even even my model I think is pretty conservative for how I personally think this game's going to play out okay that's Ohio State Maryland there's some actually some good football being played this weekend believe it or not any other games people should be keeping an eye on yeah I mean Obviously, the the biggest one of the weekend, probably in terms of how it would affect Ohio State, I think is is Oklahoma Texas from a from a playoff mm-hmm. contention standpoint. Um, I've got a number of bets on that game, but uh, for the purpose of this, I'm going to give out the under sixty and a half in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my projection on that is only like fifty four, so I'm like a, a full touchdown under what the uh, what the odds makers have. So. I, I think Oklahoma's defense is not getting enough credit because people tend to look at their schedule and just, just kind of write it off because like, if you are not looking at numbers like I am, you don't know how to quantify that. So it's like, well, everyone they've played sucks. So it, it doesn't mean anything, but it actually does mean something. And Oklahoma is my number one offense right now. And my number five defense. So uh, spoiler, I bet, I bet the Oklahoma money line and Oklahoma plus uh, plus six and a half already this week. But uh, for for the purposes of, of this and record keeping, Oklahoma Texas under sixty and a half uh, will be my best bet on that game. And then one other total that I like this week um, in the MAC: Buffalo and Central Michigan. I like that over fifty two. 
So a little big game, a little Ohio State, Michigan, a little action from Tishu this week. Once again, Tishu giving all the information you need on betting. Listen, follow him on Twitter. Sign up for the text, 614-350-3315. And follow Tyler Shoemaker on t- Twitter. That's at Tishu Index. A lot of good info, a lot of good stuff over there at the TCU Index. When we come back, Nathan, myself, and Andrew will give our picks here on Buckeye Talk. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. And we're back on Buckeye Talk, and it's time to make our game picks. Ohio State is favored by 20 as of right now, and the over-under is 57 for Ohio State's matchup with Maryland on Saturday at noon on Fox. I'm going to go first. I struggled to figure out what version of Maryland this team is going to get on Saturday. Are they going to get the version of Maryland that we've seen the last two times Ohio State went to College Park, where in 2018 it came down to if they had a better quarterback, they would have converted a two-point conversion and won that game. And then last year, Ohio State kind of slept walk at times while also trying to force Travion Henderson to play on an ankle he probably shouldn't have been playing on, and it allowed – Plus, Maryland just did some things to hang around, so they ended up losing that game by 13. But that game was played in the single digits for most of the afternoon versus when it's in Columbus, the game can sometimes get up to like 70 to 14, and Ohio State just kind of runs with things. So I tried to split the difference there, and I ended up with 41 to 17. So that's taking Ohio State to cover. That's taking the over as well, barely, but – It's giving credit to Maryland might get some explosive plays off here and be able to score on some touchdowns there. I I think for the most of the game, Ohio State's defense might control some things, but there might just be some drives where Maryland schemes something up, Mike Loxley schemes something up, or Talia Tungalailoa gets loose in the pocket. He's able to find somebody, so they score a couple of touchdowns, maybe get a field goal in there. But it's giving some credit to maybe this is where we see things start to ramp up for the offense. They've only scored 40 points one other time this season, and that was against uh, Western Kentucky when they scored 63. It's about time we start seeing that from Ohio State, so maybe this is when we start to see it. You're seeing Kyle McCord get comfortable out there. You're starting to see Ryan Day open up the playbook for this offense with Kyle McCord, even if you don't have Marvin Harrison Jr. at 100%. you still got a Mecca Booker. you still got Julian Fleming. you still got Cade Stover. Maybe you see a little bit of the running backs get involved with the passing game, and maybe you see a little bit of Cardinal Tate in there as well. So 41-17, to 17, Ohio State improves the Five and zero, Nathan. What's your game score? Thirty-eight seventeen. So we're almost the, the same. Hey. And I actually I considered a backdoor cover when I was when I was uh, scheming this up, or uh, however you want to say it. And the line was still more like nineteen, nineteen and a half. I was thinking maybe maybe Maryland can even get to twenty. I, I'm just and I'm trying to respect Maryland here, and I think they deserve it. 
But this is a big jump up in, in competition level for them, frankly, from what they've seen in these first five games. And the thing I keep coming back to, I think you're right about the offense. I think the offense is due for growth. What I th- am more interested by, though, is this defense right now. There's an interesting combination of a defense that on the field is playing with a lot of confidence. And you can tell that by how fast they play, how hard they're hitting guys. It's, it's, it's palpable. They're talking with a lot of dissatisfaction. Denzel Burke, no matter what they do, seems to just keep spitting on it. Lathan Ransom the other night said something I thought that was, you know, very self-aware about how, well, hey, last year we had a lot of weeks where we looked like one of the best teams in the country, but they had some weeks where they sure didn't, and that they've got to find a way. It seems like a team that is committed to repeating that performance. Now you've had a week to, it was already a healthy team, you've had a week to get even healthier if you need to, a week to sort of clear your mind, and more importantly, two weeks to game plan for a quarterback that they know pretty well. As much as they respect him, I think that that combination of a defense that is is really rolling and a and that extra week to attack Talia Tagovailoa and come up with the best strategy to sort of contain him. I, I just feel like it's it's not going to let Maryland keep up with Ohio State score wise. So thirty eight seventeen that is a cover, but just barely now that it's up to twenty, and it would be under the fifty seven. Ohio State has not been covering this year, so I'm I'm kind of nervous about that as well. I'm losing a lot of Buckeye talk tokens because Ohio State can't cover this year. Let's see if I continue to lose some more this week. <laughs> Ohio State hasn't been covering because it just hasn't been scoring the way anybody expected it to. And all those mm-hmm. preseason, all that preseason data is still baked in there about what this offense should be doing. So that'll probably start getting corrected a little bit in the lines. But I also think this offense should, at some point, start to regain some of that uh, juice that it's supposed to have. That's two covers so far, one over, one under. Andrew, what's your game score? I'm going to say 41 to 24. So Maryland's going to cover, uh, but we are going to go over. Uh, I, you know, I looked this up earlier. Uh, I did not count 2020 because nothing mattered in 2020 and nothing should count in 2020. Um, they didn't play but, in 2020. Uh, Ryan Day took over. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, Ryan Day took over this team as the full-time head coach in 2019. Uh, and he's played four games after bye weeks. Uh, 2019, they played at Northwestern, they won 52 to three. Northwestern finished three and nine. 2019, they played Maryland, or they played Maryland a couple of weeks later. They had another bye week. They beat Maryland 73 to 14. Maryland also finished three and nine. Uh, 2021, again, I did not count COVID because like there was, you look at the schedule and there was just like a gap every week. And that's yeah, not was, a bye week. That's. Yeah. Guys yeah. getting games getting canceled, so I didn't a, count the sick week. Yeah, I did not count. I did not count the bye weeks in 2020, quote unquote bye weeks. Uh, October 23rd, 2021, at Indiana, they win 54 to seven. Uh, Indiana finished two and ten. Then last year, October 22nd, they beat Iowa at home 54 to ten off a of bye week, and I, Iowa actually finished eight and five. So. Ryan Day outscores his opponents 233 to 34 after bye weeks, but all those teams have sucked. So, like, I I, I get it. I, I think that the extra week matters, but I don't know how much I really want to look into that because, I mean, when you're talking about, I mean, those teams combined for eight wins, Northwestern, Maryland, and Iowa in, in those three years. So, or Indiana, excuse me. So, I... I don't know. I, I thought that there was going to be something there with the bye week. I didn't. I think Maryland's going to push this team 
defensively. I think that Maryland, like I said, I think it's going to be very boomer bust. I think you could look at the end of the game and see, hey, you know what? Ohio State forced two turnovers. They first they forced two interceptions. And not only did they do that, they had four sacks or they had what you know, they they had a nice day defensively, but Maryland also got some got some counter punches in. I think that that's just kind of the nature of the beast when you play a team like this. So I think Ohio State's gonna win. I don't think it's gonna be a squeaker like uh like last year's game or, or what was it? Was it in twenty eighteen where they played in College Park and the Maryland two point game? Yes. Yeah, so it's not going to be that. It's it's not even going to be last year. I think Ohio State's going to control this one the majority of the way. But I think Maryland's going to do something. Maryland's going to come in here a confident football team. And, I mean, you don't want to say that this is their Super Bowl because it sounds like you're kind of putting them down a little bit. But, like, this is their moment. You know, this is their we're going to shock the world moment. This is their we're going to do what nobody says we can do moment. So I think that there is something to in, in, to buy into that. They're coming in here, a confident football team. They're a football team that believes. Um, I know a lot of people – I've seen this narrative a lot that there are people that say Maryland is going to knock off one of the big three this year, and whether that's Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State. There are people who think Maryland's good enough to pull an upset. I don't think it's going to be Ohio State. It's going to be Michigan. But I think that Ohio State is going to get by the Terrapins this week. They're not going to cover. So that's our game picks. If you want to see us explore why Andrew thinks that Michigan might lose to Maryland, then listen, you're watching this on YouTube. Check out the full podcast. Fuck, I talk wherever you get podcasts. And get the text 614-350-3315 all information on saturday coming to your phone first before we do anything else with us okay let's explore that for two seconds because that's you can't just throw that out there and not why well, uh, just a quick why why do you think maryland yeah. could be this year break it down uh well i think the number one thing i look i don't have the this the cover stats on me but mm-hmm. go back and look at every single game that Ohio State and Michigan play before they play each other. A lot One of, of them years, always, they struggle. <laughs> and it just so happens that this year, Michigan has to go to Happy Valley, which is going to be a really tough game because Penn, like if Penn State wins that game at Ohio State, that is essentially – the Big Ten championship game. If you if you really boil it down, if Penn State beats Ohio State, that game very likely is going to be the the be all end all for the Big Ten because then Penn State beats Michigan and they're in. They're going to the playoff and they're going to they're going to because they're going to win the Big Ten and they're going to win the Big Ten championship game. So Penn State's going to be a really tough game, and you have to go on the road and play Penn State. That's not an easy task. Then you have the Ohio State game at the end of the year. We don't, I mean, do I really need to explain the importance to these people of how important that Ohio State game is? I don't believe I do. So you have those two games. You might play, if Penn Penn State wins, and even if they lose, Penn State's going to enter that game probably as a top 10 team, at worst, like 12th, and you're going to have to go on the road and beat them. And then you're going to have to, Come back home and beat an Ohio State team that, again, if they're undefeated, maybe they're like first, second, third. Maybe, maybe they're in they're in that kind of ballpark. At worst, they have a loss and they're I don't know eighth, ninth. 
like at worst. So you might be, you might be playing two top 10 teams and then you're in the middle of that. You're going to play Maryland. So I think that if, if now I'm not going to, I'm not going to officially predict that Maryland's going to win that game, but I'm going to say if Maryland is going to beat one of those three teams, I think it's going to be Michigan. I think you just look at Maryland's schedule. I mean, they play, uh, they play at North. They have a bye week after they play Illinois after Ohio state. They have a bye week. Then they play at Northwestern. Then they play Penn state. You're kind of in the middle of it there. Um, they, but then they play at Nebraska and home against Michigan. That just feels like one of those games that's going to get weird in College Park. So I think that if I think that there's a fair, there's a fairly decent shot, and yeah, I use that relatively. It's not a good shot, but I think it's a fairly decent shot that Maryland does kind of knock off one of the Giants this year. And if it were to be a team, it would be Michigan because that is a brutal three game stretch, and Maryland is good enough to make you pay. It's not like you have to play. You know, uh, Indiana or Illinois or Michigan State or or some team like that, Nebraska, even you know a team where you know, all right, you can kind of sleepwalk through a game, and you know, all right, it's it's not really going to hurt you. If Michigan goes into College Park and try and tries to get out of there by sleepwalking through a game, they're going to lose. So I just think that it's a it is the mother of if you listen to the solid verbal, it is the mother of all letdown look ahead spots. And I just think it's going to be a brutal stretch for Michigan. And I think they're going to lose one of those games in that stretch, at least. Okay. We'll see. I just we'll see. To but yeah, I, I, I think that if the, if you, if you had to pick one, I don't know how you, if you had to pick Maryland to beat one of those teams, like if Maryland really is good this year, I don't know how you could possibly say that they're going to beat Ohio state or Penn state, or that they're going to beat them, that they're beating, that them beating them is more likely than them beating Michigan. I will say there, there's an old saying. Um, unfortunately, it came from when I covered Purdue. I think it was a Gene Cady saying um, that it doesn't matter who you play. It matters when you play them. And we talked a lot about this Ohio State schedule before the season being a fairly tough schedule. Notre Dame, etc. And it really has struck me how it sets up in these tiers for Ohio State this year. Like you had the Indiana, mm-hmm. Youngstown State, Western Kentucky buildup, and then Notre Dame. And now you've got this, again, no disrespect to Maryland, but Maryland, Purdue back-to-back, and then comes the the Penn State, Wisconsin that are kind of hanging out there. Penn State more than Wisconsin, but still, it's kind of like a, a little bridge to the bigger games. And then you've got, I don't remember the order of them at the end, but it's it's uh, Rutgers, Michigan State, Minnesota in some order. Good job. And then Man, is that the exact order? Professionals. Uh, and, <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, and then and then obviously the big game at the end. And that lines up kind of if you're gonna have to play the games this way, they they're distributed in a in a good way for Ohio State, I feel like. As opposed to what we've yeah. seen Ohio State have to deal with in the past, like twenty nineteen, where um you had to play Penn State, Michigan back to back to end the year. Like there have been some other times where the schedule hasn't been quite this good. Now, having said all of that, Ohio State was almost the team that got tripped up in College Park last year. They're up by a touchdown and Maryland's got the ball back with them under a minute to play. So, you know, it, Ohio State's got to go out and like actually take advantage of this opportunity. They can't be fooling around with the Minnesotas of the world in, in week uh, 12 before you play the game. But it's if if they can't, I mean, it sets up much nicer than, for instance, Andrew, what you're talking about with Michigan. That is a tough 
thing to have to try to, to a tough gauntlet to try to get through. Um, even if you are the more talented team, sometimes just the, the, the order of games can catch you a little bit. There if, is another. If you had to pick, if, if I was going to say, if if you had to, like, obviously, if you had to pick, like, the three toughest games that you could schedule, like, the three teams that you don't want to play in the Big Ten, Ohio State and Penn State are, are up there, uh, assuming you're Michigan. Ohio State and Penn State are one and two. And I think you can make a really good case that Maryland is three. Like, I think you could point out that and say that would you would rather take Maryland over an Iowa or over a Wisconsin or over somebody like that. So, yeah, I, I absolutely think that, like, it is it is the nightmare schedule for Michigan, especially because you're they don't have a buildup period. They don't play really anybody, frankly, any good until that they play that last three-game stretch of the year. There is something to Ohio State's schedule is almost like three seasons, and you're building up to a big game in each of one of those seasons. Yeah. Like many- Many ticket plans. Yeah. Get, like these four games. Because that's how they usually do it, right? They'll take like a pretty yeah. good game. They'll take like a good game and then like sure. a pretty good game and then a crap game. And they'll like crunch them together. That's your that's your mini plan. Well, this is like they get like that's three true. little mini plans to get them through this season. Well, season number two starts on Saturday with Maryland coming to Ohio State at noon on Fox. I'll be there. Nathan will be there. Andrew will be there. You guys will be there in spirit if you sign up for the text, 614-350-3315. I promise you, on Saturdays, that's when you, you're you getting your bang for your buck. You're, it's $399 after a two-week free trial, but trust me, you're getting more than a $399 value on Saturdays with how much we text and how much information we're sending out there. So sign up for the text. For Nathan Baird, for Andrew Gillis, and his Maryland championship that he is, you know, he's champion Maryland, clearly, at this point. I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk.